1: This is the Christian Humanist Podcast, a weekly discussion of theology, philosophy, literature, art, and other things that human beings do well. And now your hosts, David Grubbs, Nathan Gilmore, and Michael Moore.
0: of this week's Christian Humanist podcast. I'm going to be your host this week. I'm David Grubbs, a professor of English at Central Christian College of Kansas in McPherson, Kansas, where it is All Schools Day, which involves a parade and a carnival, but I'm not going. Anyway, also with me is Nathan Gilmore, assistant, uh, uh, sorry, associate professor of English at Emanuel College in Franklin Springs, Georgia. How are you this fine morning, Nathan?
2: I am doing well. I, I have turned the corner from end of semester grading to end of school year institutional assessment, uh, which isn't a whole lot more fun, trust me. But it means that the summer is closer.
0: Sweet deal. Also with us is Assistant Professor of English Michael Farmer uh, at Crown College in Saint Bonifacius, Minnesota. Uh, you get through the uh, yesterday's weather, Michael?
1: Yeah, it would not It actually wasn't too bad where we were, but. I guess it was bad someplace. Didn't it blow over a train where you live?
0: Yeah, the just uh just to the east of town uh the uh well the the place where the place where uh yeah, there was a train that blew over. Um the, the tra- <laughs> Yeah, the tracks run east-west and the cold front was coming up north uh from the south and I guess, I guess that poor old train just got broadsided. That's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. The pictures are pretty amazing. <laughs> All right, uh, our topic today is uh, well, Christian Humanist podcast picks. This is oh, also this is episode one thirty-seven for those who are keeping count and you know ticking off the numbers as they as they listen through the our backlog. Today we're talking about Christian Humanist picks for uh, various internet venues. Uh, podcast video series things like that but before we get to that uh, have we got any mail
1: yeah we have an email from our friend shin Boulet. he says that I thought you would like to know that the message of Christian humanism continues to be spread with zeal in the Pacific Northwest. I have recently been able to have a number of good conversations whose discourse led naturally to an enthusiastic referral to the Christian Humanist podcast. One recent conversation was with a 56-year-old man who recently started teaching at a Christian school in Oregon after years of working as a pastor and church planter. He began sharing with me his newfound love of literature and was lamenting his past disinterest in the humanities. I told him that he must listen to your podcast, and he was really excited to learn of your existence. Assistance. another conversation was with the ceo of chess for life he was intrigued to learn uh, of your podcast on chess and i directed him to your blog these two conversations were just a few highlights and pretty much everyone in my church now knows that they should be listening to your show by the way chess <laughs> chess for life website chess 4 like the number 4 life.com mhm uh, I also want to share with you an amazing experience I had this past weekend. I'm a ruling elder in a very conservative Presbyterian denomination, and last weekend I experienced my first Presbytery meeting since I began listening to the Christian Humanist podcast. What a weekend. As I observed reports from committee chairs, speeches from the floor, and parliamentary maneuvers, my mind was set on fire with lessons learned from your podcasts. Please note, I did not go into the meeting with a pre-mediated premeditated, excuse me, alertness for discerning good rhetoric from bad rhetoric. Rhetoric was the parade of God and devil terms used in speeches <laughs> that awakened me to your influence. I loved it. The Rolodex of podcasts continue to whirl through my mind as I listened and watched. But the most amazing discovery that I think I made requires your confirmation and validation. In my circles, postmodernism is a bad word. Yet I think I heard a very postmodern, Derrida-inspired, there is nothing outside the text argument on repeated occasions. There is a severe debate on a particular doctrine in our presbytery, and those who don't like the doctrine want it ruled unorthodox and purged from the presbytery. The refrain from the antagonist that was often repeated was, This is not personal, it is theological. This smelled funny to me. How can a theological position be abstracted from the individual who believes it? How can you claim that the issue at hand is only the text of the doctrine and not the people, churches, and communities within which that doctrine is found? It sounded very postmodern to me, but maybe that is because I don't yet understand postmodernism very well. Is it fair to say that when you make a move like this, abstracting a theological position from the individual who holds that position, you're claiming there's nothing outside the text? If it isn't postmodernism, is there a better word to describe that rhetorical move? What do you guys think?
2: Uh, my first instinct when I read that uh that narration is not to go to Derrida but rather to Richard Weaver in his essay, uh The Phaedrus and the Nature of Rhetoric, which I believe was one of our three Richard Weaver episodes, yes.
0: Mm, yes. So.
2: All right. Uh you know, that move saying, you know, this has nothing to do with, you know, personalities or emotions or things like that, uh, reminds me of what Richard Weaver somewhat derisively labels as sort of a modern scientism. Uh, Mm -hmm. and I realize that we're dealing with theology here rather than with chemistry. Uh, but the same dynamic seems to be at play. You know, there is a closed system language either describes that system with precision or does not. Uh, and ultimately any entrance of the psychological emotional is going to corrupt what is otherwise a closed and rational system. Uh, that was my first thought. I mean, did you guys hear Derrida in there? Because I, I I don't think I did.
1: No, I, I, I didn't. And in fact, I would say, and Ch- Chinbule may not want to hear this, but he is the one who sounds a little more postmodern here. And, and I don't use that term pejoratively at all. But um, w- one of the things about postmodern quote-unquote relativism is that it, it, it says there's no such thing as an abstract doctrine. The doctrine kind of lives within the context in which it lives, you know, and, and he is very rightly pointing that out, that there's no such thing as a theological doctrine that's not in some sense personal.
2: Right, and we should note that, I mean, that doesn't necessarily get connected to a, a an anti-conservative politics. I mean, you know, the postmodernism that Michael just described is a an Alistair McIntyre postmodernism, if I've ever heard of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. I suspect uh, James K. Smith's new book, Who's Afraid of Relativism?, is going to make this point, but uh, you know what? Uh, he wouldn't do an interview with us for the uh, for the interview show. So I, I haven't read that book yet.
2: That's right, Smith.
1: We're coming for you.
0: No, Don't no. Step to
2: this. <laughs> Although we it's do a- have
1: some very interesting interviews coming up on that this summer. Right? Oh, we really do. We've we been really pretty do. slack on it um, th- this semester. We, not for lack of trying. Uh, but we we do have some guests booked for the summer that I think uh, I think our listeners will find intriguing and entertaining, and uh, in a couple cases they're going to think, "How on earth did those guys get the people they
2: got?" <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs>
1: but anyway, uh, thank you for thank you for writing in, Chinbule, and uh, I, I, I'm I'm glad I'm glad we're helping you to detect bad rhetoric as English teachers. That makes us very happy to know that at least somebody is internalizing our uh, our messages about rhetoric. Because uh, yeah. our, our students sometimes don't seem to.
0: And by all means, keep taking that savvy to Presbytery. They need it. <laughs> all right. Well, if there's uh, no more no more housekeeping to, to mention, uh, I guess we can shift on to our topic. Uh, this was actually uh, a topic that was pitched to us by uh, Isabel Ayer, if I remember correctly. And so since this this seemed to be one that required very little prep at the end of the semester. Mm -hmm. We took up this gauntlet, and so we will uh, proceed. I'm going to pitch this first to you, Michael. Um, It it seemed best to me, while we're making recommendations, to do it topically, so I'll start close to home. So can you make any recommendations uh, of venues, podcast, whatever, that are pretty close to what we do, Christianity plus the humanities.
1: The two that were closest are gone now. Um, Yeah. (laughs) uh, Biola's Tory Honors Institute had the Scriptorium Daily. uh, What was it called? Uh, what was their podcast middle called? Middle Brow. Middle Brow. That's right. Um, which oh, was Middle a, Brow. W- which how, was
2: how soon they forget. <laughs>
1: which was a format very, very similar to ours, or I should say, ours was a format very, very similar to theirs. But since John Mark Reynolds has moved on, they have not done a, a episodes of that podcast, which is a, which is a shame because uh, that was my favorite.
2: Although they did put an episode of Christian Humanist Profiles on that feed. Oh, how nice. yeah. What when when David interviewed Fred Sanders? I... Uh, you know a few days later you know my uh aggregator you know popped up with a new episode of middlebrow and I said oh my gosh they're they're doing middlebrow again
0: and Crisy's <laughs> on it actually <laughs> yeah. actually we're doing middlebrow again
1: <laughs> so i mean I, I don't know i don't know if they have the old episodes on there but they're worth seeking out you can kind of see the dna of our show oh mm-hmm. sure and it, i mean obviously yeah. i think they're, they're more conservative than us cuz they all teach at biola which is literally where the uh where the term fundamentalist comes from, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but still, (laughs) that's uh, not
2: pejorative. That's historical, (laughs)
1: right? A a very, a very erudite, uh, entertaining podcast that no longer Mm -hmm. exists. The other one of course is CWC, the radio show out of, uh, Bethel university, uh, CWC as a program still exists. Their podcast does not, uh, you know, much, much missed,
2: and I haven't had a chance yet, Michael. have You had a chance to listen to Sam Mulberry's new one.
1: I cannot get it on my uh, podcast aggregator. The,
2: oh, I'll you're be talking about, you're right. talking about
1: autobiography?
2: Yeah, yeah. And I, I always think about downloading that. You know, when I'm driving through Madison County, Georgia, which is a bad time to fiddle with one's iPhone. <laughs> gotcha.
1: Yeah, I, I I, uh, I, I have not been able to get. I need to just find the feed and and type it in manually. I use mm-hmm. a, I don't use the the built-in podcast app on. On the iPhone, but that, that sometimes means that smaller podcasts you, you have to manually enter the uh, Right, address. right. Uh,
2: the,
1: the one that still exists that I think is worth listening to most of the time is The Kindling's Muse, which is out of Seattle. It's kind of loosely affiliated with Seattle Pacific University, but it's not. It's done by Dick Staub, who used to be a, uh, an interviewer. Right, he was a he was like a radio host, um, and uh, he he's a he's a very bright guy who who is is bright enough to surround himself for the most part with other bright people. So they they have a live panel show they do where they talk about uh, one topic and they they just kind of you know go back and forth. It's it's not too dissimilar from what we do, except they they do it live and have an audience question. And they have another set of shows uh, with a retired. Presbyterian minister, Earl Palmer. I always want to call him Earl Scruggs, but <laughs> unfortunately, the show does not involve Earl Scruggs. Uh, Earl, Earl Palmer, who talks about books uh, mostly. So I think this, <laughs> this most recent one, he talked about one of his own books, but usually he talks about other people's books. And, and um, you know, for a person who is not trained in literature, I think he, he often has a very intriguing and insightful analysis of the books he talks about. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to like those more than the panel shows. Uh, I We should keep this positive so I won't go into it more than more than that. <laughs> and the thing I really miss is they, they also had a Canadian one on the same feed uh, where hmm. th- where they would do panel shows from Canada with Bill Hogg and Peter Thomas Chataway. And they don't do that anymore for some reason. I, I, I tended to like those better than the Seattle panel shows.
2: Right, and, and we should stop and say, I mean, Bill Hogg is – Tell tell me his nationality, Michael, because I'm going to say the wrong one and offend oh, somebody.
1: I'm I'm fairly certain he's Scottish. He sounds just like Craig Ferguson.
2: Yeah, yeah. All right, I, I was either <laughs> going to say Scots or the one that Scots hate to be confused with. So, he's a Scotsman. But every once in a while, he will start doing an imitation of an Englishman, and it is just hilarious.
1: The Kindlings also have uh, a bi-yearly or twice-a-year festival called Kindlings Kindlings Fest, one in the winter and one in the summer. And they they are always kind enough to put all the devotions and all the speeches from those two events up on the feed. And that is the best part of their feed all year round as far as I'm concerned because they get Mm -hmm. some great guests. They had uh, Harold Best a few years ago who – I saw in college he he was a he's a former dean of music at Wheaton and uh, man that guy is that guy is bright and interested and I just I love to hear him talk. They had Malcolm Gweet um Geet Gweet, I don't know how you pronounce his name uh who is a who's a poet um he he last year he was wonderful they had Michael Card who was wonderful. It, it so uh, if you don't listen the rest of the year do make sure you listen for the uh the two kindlings fest uploads. Mm-hmm. Oh they had Lauren Winter um, for Winterfest this year. And that was, mm-hmm. she was really great. So, um, yeah, I, I, I recommend, uh, Kin, Kinley's muse. I don't listen to every episode, uh, but, uh, the ones I do listen to, I like quite a bit.
0: Mm-hmm. What about you, Nathan?
2: Uh, you know, the, the CWC, the radio show, you know, I'm eagerly looking forward to their return. Chris, Sam, Amy, I'm talking to you.
1: Chris uh, told me. Chris told me he doesn't even listen to podcasts. So I, I think I think you may be speaking into the void. Ah,
2: well, that's too bad. <laughs> the audience void. Uh, but that was everybody a has a
1: Gert shaped hole inside them.
2: That's that right. Only
1: Chris Gertz can fill.
2: That is right. <laughs> oh, and by the way, Sarah, I'll go ahead and throw that in there in case she does listen to podcasts. I don't want to. You know, exclude one of the four. Um, I'll I'll go to Echo. I mean, that recommendation for Kindling's Muse. I mean, it really is the closest thing uh, still actively happening to what we do out there. uh, Insofar as it's a you know weekly, publicly available, not specifically attached to any one institution, kind of show that digs Mm -hmm. into ideas. So uh, I'll, I'll second that. I'll also say that I mean, you know, as with most of the shows that I listen to most closely, it's a love hate thing. Uh, and, you know, like Michael said, I'm going to stay positive right now. But uh, if <laughs> if if you could see some of the messages that Michael and I throw back and forth, you know, when I get to ranting, I'm sure our listeners can imagine. <laughs>
0: well, I'm I'm sure they probably do the same thing about us. I'm sure they do. I'm, as,
2: I'm sure as,
1: they have never as, heard of us, in fact.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. As no, they, no, not no, the, the, listeners, the listeners. Me, listeners. Uh, but, uh, uh, mean,
1: oh, the oh, listeners.
2: Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yes, well, because... I mean, I, you know, there are a few of our listeners, you know, who actually... Let us know when we're wrong, and so I, I don't have any doubt that people are, are quite capable of disagreeing with us.
0: <laughs> well, if you if you can find a consistent audience that always agrees with us, you're finding the most intellectually incoherent person ever because we don't agree. That's true.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and
1: I don't know about you guys, but my, my, my thoughts on things have shifted so much over the five years we've been doing this that I'm pretty sure if I listened to the first couple of years, I wouldn't agree with myself.
2: <laughs> Have you been doing this 5 years?
1: Yeah, in October.
2: Oh my goodness. <laughs> <What?
0: Ew. laughs> my mind blew.
2: <laughs> anyway, David, what do you got?
0: Uh well, I I used to listen to Middlebrow, um listen to CWC, uh some not as not as religiously because well, if you remember back when we started, I wasn't entirely sure what a podcast was. So <laughs> You you guys were like, hey, you want to come in on this podcast? I'm like, I don't know what that is, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, if you you know if 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 you dig into some middle brow backlogs and you like that, and you still want a taste of some of it, um, Biola does have uh, open lectures now. Uh, it used to be that context lectures and stuff like that for the Tory honors program were behind a firewall, but now, uh, you can get them at open, open Biola. And so it's, it's not, it's not a podcast in its format. It's not interview shows. It's, it's not the form of what we do, but, uh, you can find a good bit of the, uh, Christianity plus humanities, uh, stuff. On on Open Biola, and I've I've really appreciated a lot of uh, uh, I've, I've really appreciated them making that that stuff available because
1: of course you've been stealing it for years anyway.
0: <laughs> it was an accidental theft. Um, i I well I, I've told this story before I think I'll tell it again. Um, I discovered the Tory Honors Program itself when I was Googling for. Um, audio lectures uh like ten years ago you know i I was bored at work and I wanted something to listen to and I found the tory the Tory lecture archive and it wasn 't you know it was it was like a year later before I realized that i wasn 't supposed to even be able to get to that page because it was supposed to be behind a password firewall <laughs> and somehow Google had dropped me behind the lines um but but later uh, you know later on at a book signing I met Fred Sanders and he absolved me, so so it's good now. But I think you know. he even gave you the password. Yes, he did. Because <laughs> you ga- cool. you gave
1: it to me and I downloaded a bunch of those uh, those lectures too. But now yeah. now they're legally and freely available, so we need yes. not we need not feel guilty. They are they're worth stealing though.
0: Yes, absolutely <laughs> good stuff. There's so, an endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> worth stealing yeah no well, I, but 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 good because they have a very uh um i i like the well they don't lecture with a socratic approach but you can very clearly tell that uh that the the approach that they take in their program is one that involves asking good questions of of literature and even in their lectures you can tell how the framing of questions is important
1: you know, iTunes U also has a bunch of stuff like that from Seattle Pacific.
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, they have chapel messages, which, you know, are, are interesting or not interesting. But uh, they also have a number of conferences whose plenary lectures have been preserved. I mean, dating back to the 80s, and, and some of those are quite interesting. So if, mm-hmm. if that's the sort of thing you're into, uh, iTunes, go to – type in Seattle Pacific to uh, iTunes U, and you'll you'll find quite a bit.
0: So, yeah, they, they, they were originally a, uh, a free Methodist college and I think they still affiliate. So, all right. So more, more lectures and things like that through iTunes U, um, if you're looking for those kinds of things and there are some Christian colleges and universities that are representing. Um, so shifting, and I'm going to pitch this one at you, Nathan, Mm-hmm. shifting from the particular christian humanist flavor to theology more generally um what suggestions would you make in that category
2: well i don't uh it's more autobiography than suggestions but uh in my own sort of weekly listening uh one of the things that i like to do with theology podcasts is to listen to people who differ very significantly from me uh and it's not and it's not mainly so that i can feel superior although that's certainly a, a side benefit. Uh, hey. but, <laughs> but it's because, you know, when I hear a theology very different from mine, articulated intelligently, it helps me to think through the sorts of things that I teach and preach and meditate on and so on and so forth, and really uh, use that critical distance to, like I said, I mean, become more articulate in my own theology. So... Uh, three shows that I listen to regularly. One of them is Christ the Center. It's a very, very conservative Presbyterian theology podcast. Um, again, I mean, it's one that, you know, uh, I, I find myself yelling at the car stereo a fair bit when I'm listening to it. But on the other hand, you know, in those moments when I'm yelling at the car stereo, uh, when I calm down a bit, I think, okay, what reasons do I have to differ from that? Uh, and that's a good exercise for me. And then. From a very different perspective, uh, there is the Theology Nerd Throwdown podcast from the Homebrewed Christianity crew. Uh, not conservative, not Presbyterian. Instead, it's from a very uh, liberal Protestant uh, approach. Uh, it tends to be heavily, heavily flavored by process thought. Uh, again, these are things that, you know, really when I listen to both shows, I can tell – Significant areas of overlap between myself and the hosts, but there are also strong enough differences that I find myself saying, "Okay, why is it that I differ?" Uh, and that's a a good exercise for me, you know, especially since uh, theology is something that I do teach at Emmanuel College, but it's not my primary area of teaching by any means. Uh, the other theology shows I'll throw out there before I sort of shuttle it over to my uh, Michael. Uh, is also from the Homebrew Christianity uh, crew, and it's their flagship interview show, uh, just called Homebrew Christianity. Uh, That is arguably the best interview theology show on the internet right now. Uh, They don't just bring on liberal Protestants, although it's tended to lean more heavily that way as the years have rolled on. Uh, They've had N.T. Wright, they've had Walter Brueggemann, uh, they've had some Anabaptists, they've had some Calvinists, they've had Really all kinds of people on there uh, talking about their recent books, recent research projects, a lot of fun. Uh, And like I said, I mean, you know, I like to dig back into some of the older ones and listen to them. They've had on uh, Meryl Westfall. They've had on Phil Carey. Uh, They've had on just a wonderful, wonderful range of people. The podcasts, you know, they tend to be very deferential to the people involved and that's very intentional on their part. So it's not as if they, you know, grill the people who agree with them and then sort of lob softballs at the people who, uh, I mean, who agree, uh, but rather they kind of give the people on the show a platform, and I've, I appreciate that. So, uh, Michael, uh, what theology shows, if any, do you still listen to? Because I know we've had that conversation.
1: Humber Christianity is the only one I still listen to. I've actually never listened to Theology Nerd Throwdown Um I listened to Christ the Sinner for a while, but he. I. I we'll we'll keep it positive. I. I that shows <laughs> that that's, that shows not for me, uh, and since I don't <laughs> since I don't teach theology, I don't feel the need to uh, keep up on it. Incredibly, mm-hmm. so Homebrew Christianity is about it. I don't listen again. I, this is another show I don't listen to every episode of. I just listen to the ones that look like they're going to be interesting to me, and and you know to their great credit, that's a lot of them. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: plus they've been very nice about. Uh, promoting us. So.
2: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they, they pitch, they pitched our, uh, Christian feminist podcast. I think I guess it's not ours. It's theirs, but they pitch the Christian feminist podcast. They very often mention us in, in glowing terms. So they're definitely friends of the Christian humanist.
0: Yay. <laughs> I don't listen to very many, uh, very many podcasts just, just generally. Um, but I do listen to Christ the Center, um, m- and not because I like to yell. Um, <laughs> I, I, t- I well, <laughs> it, it will be no surprise to anyone, least of all you, Nathan, that I probably agree with them more than you do. Yeah, <laughs> but but still not consistently. Um, you know, but my my joke when I moved to this town that I live in the Midwest is. Uh, is that there are some Lutherans in town that aren't Lutheran enough for me, and there are some Lutherans in town that I'm not Lutheran enough for them mm-hmm. um, uh, I could say kind of the same of 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 Christ the center um there uh i i'm I'm probably not Calvinist enough for them. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Who is? <laughs> do,
0: do, you know what I, do you know what I do
1: like about Christ the Center, though? I, I like that they do not feel in any need, any way the need to talk down to the audience. They assume the audience is familiar with, uh, really kind of labyrinthine Calvinist theology. That that you know, I, I, a lot of times they talk over my head, and I appreciate that. Uh, I like that there's a I like that there's a place for for Calvinists to talk shop.
2: Oh sure, sure, and you know, theology nerd throwdown is the same vibe. I mean, they mm-hmm. they break out the process vocabulary early and often, and I mean, uh, you have to do some background reading for both of those shows to really keep up with what they're doing.
0: Yep, well, and I like it. <laughs> yeah, that that it it is cool to hear people talk shop, especially since it's not my shop. Yeah, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there was, you know, there was a time in my life when it was more my shop. And so kind of going back into their shop, you know, it, well, it's it's like you said, Nathan, it makes it makes you more, more conscious of the ways that you're still using those tools, even if you do different things with them. Sure. And yeah, it's cool. And, you know, also iTunes U and just just uh, lots of uh, lots of seminaries out there. Record will make available not just uh, chapel messages, but also lectures. So, you know, those are those are things that are out there to nodding podcast form.
1: David, have you listened to Office Hours from Westminster, California?
0: Um, I have not.
1: Nathan once told me that he listens to Christ the Center when he wants to remind himself why he's not a Calvinist. <laughs> and he listens to Office Hours when he wishes he was one. Uh, so so if you if you want the kind of friendlier side of of the conservative presbyterian world office hours is is pretty good again i it's it's something i i kind of let fall but uh i n- not because i disliked it
2: okay. yeah actually when i switched devices i forgot to resubscribe to that you you've just reminded me michael i need to put that on my my new phone
0: mm-hmm. well i want to say that you know if you You know, if you like your theology, you know, uh, classic dispensationally flavored, I want to say that that DTS has a podcast. If you like it more Southern Baptist flavored, I think Al Muller, president of Southern Seminary, has a podcast. So a lot of the, a lot of seminaries from a lot of different directions are kind of taking up this, uh, this medium and running with it. Mm -hmm. So Google about, I haven't listened to all of them, so I can't make recommendations, um, I just, I just know they exist.
1: Something for everyone.
0: Yep, whatever flavor you like, there's probably something out there in your flavor. So, so dig. Well, switching back to you, Michael. um, Turning from theology to just arts and culture, literature, uh, or arts and culture generally, which includes literature, but not necessarily limited to that. Um, Do you listen to anything that? Fits into that category.
1: This is actually probably the bulk of what I listen to is is non sectarian arts and humanities type podcasts. Uh, so I'll I'll recommend a few. I know Nathan and I are going to have some overlap here, so I'll try to leave mm-hmm. I'll try to leave some that I know he listens to and he can pick up those. Uh, the best, without a doubt, is Entitled Opinions, which is which is done by the uh, inimitable. Robert Harrison out of Stanford, uh, just a man of almost superhuman erudition. Uh, he, he seems to know everything about everything and he is agreeably pompous about the way he presents it. <laughs> uh, that show is weekly for about what, what would you say about 12 weeks a year? And I, man, do, oh, I, I, mean, do I miss years, it? The other 40. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just, it's just, uh, it's just the best. Uh, he, it's the best. So, uh, that, that is, I I can't recommend that one high enough. Uh, I also like one called radio open source, um, which is done by this guy out of Boston. I think, uh, Christopher Lydon, he used to be a terrestrial radio host. And I think he asked for too much money and they kicked him off terrestrial radio. And instead of begging to be put back on, he said, screw you guys. I'll do whatever I want. And indeed he did. (laughs) He, uh, out of all the like kind of interviewee podcast or uh, radio shows his is the most idiosyncratic he does one whenever he wants to do one so sometimes there'll be a month between episodes or and sometimes there'll be 10 episodes a week he interviews whoever he wants to about whatever topic he wants to and he he is perfectly able to talk about anything he wants to talk about so um I, I really enjoy that show that's called Radio Open Source. That's one I don't listen to every episode of because sometimes he talks about things I don't care about. But uh, when he talks about <laughs> things I do care about, I, I really like it. And in fact, he has this series right now where he and a group of people get together in his living room and read an entire Chekhov story out loud and then talk about it. Mm. Um. So oh. if that's the sort of thing that appeals to you, Radio Open Source with Christopher Lydon. Mm. And then... Uh, here's, here's one that's a little bit different. Um, it's a newest show. They call it a tiny show. I don't think it's quite as tiny as they say anymore. It's called 99% Invisible, and it's about architecture and design. Hmm. And, and this is a radio show, so it gets broadcast on some public radio stations, but it began as a podcast. And it's, it's really um, – as someone who has never studied architecture or design, I really appreciate it because without talking down – Um, They manage to explain some very high-concept things, and they do so by finding something weird in the world that they explore as much as they can. So a few weeks ago, they had one about um, Buster Rhymes Island, (laughs) which is a very small island and a lake in New England that this guy just decided to name Buster Rhymes Island, and it's all about his attempts to get that to be the official name of the island uh, through the U.S. government. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and his application, his application contained a sentence that I will carry with me for the rest of my life. Buster Rhymes is a gravel-voiced uh, rapper whom we all admire. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, the first episode I heard from that was about how come our money is all the same size and all the same color, our, our folding money. Uh, and, and, and how come it has pictures of politicians and not artistic figures and things like that? It, it was very, it's just a very interesting show. That is one I listen to every episode of, regardless of whether I think I'm going to be interested in what they're talking about or not, because it always turns out that I am. So if you're at all interested, if you have even a passing interest in architecture and design, 99% invisible with the improbably named Roman Mars.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is, is that not a nom de podcast?
2: I think that's his real name.
0: Wow.
1: How about you, Nathan?
2: Well, I'm going to highlight a couple of uh, philosophy podcasts that Michael left for me, and that's good of him to do. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of them is uh, The Philosopher's Zone. It comes out of Australia from their uh, national radio service. Uh, And it is – well, first of all, I mean it's not the same show since the untimely passing of Alan Saunders. Uh, I think everyone who listened to that show – Uh, was sad when he died suddenly. But uh, it still keeps on. Uh, It it hosts its own events in Australia, inviting philosophers from around the world uh, to colloquia and such. It also does your standard uh, interview-type shows with philosophers. It's well-produced. The new host, Joe Gellanese, is himself a formidable intellect, uh, and it's just very good stuff, uh, especially if you have at one point studied philosophy, but you've sort of fallen away from it, it's a nice refresher course that they put forth uh, when they're in season. It's another one of those podcasts that runs for a certain season each calendar year and then takes a few months off. Uh, But while they're in session, it's quite good stuff. Another one that is uh, quite nice is the partially examined life. Uh, (laughs) This is put together by uh, a, a, a fluctuating number of people. Uh, who went to graduate school in philosophy but didn't end up being philosophy professors per se. Uh, They work in various fields, and I mean, I never can keep up with what they're doing professionally at any given moment. Uh, It's one where uh, there's a sort of South Park potty-mouthedness to it uh, (laughs) that might turn some people off. Uh, But on the other hand, I mean, they dig into some good books, some interesting questions. Uh, Again, I mean, it's it's one that... You know, when they put an episode out, which is every few weeks, uh, it's worth a listen. Uh, one more, and this one I, I wasn't sure what category to put it in, but I'm gonna go ahead and get it in here since I think of history as one of the humanities, uh, is is Dan Carlin's hardcore history. We're gonna oh, be yes. talking about another one of his shows later on. But uh if Robert Harrison is, you know, one of the twin gods of humanities podcasting uh, then Pollux is Dan Carlin. Uh, he he is someone who didn't come from the Academy. Uh, he came from sports talk radio and political talk radio. He talks fast. He thinks fast. And he is another one of those podcasters. I listen to every one of his shows that goes onto the Internet. Uh, first of all, because it's just quality material. He's he's right now uh, on the 100-year anniversary of the beginning of World War One. Uh, doing it, basically what's turning into a very long audio book on, on World War One.
1: Twelve hours so far.
2: Yeah, so far. And, and,
1: and he's in the first year.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also just because his delivery, his framing, I mean, he is a master of spoken word rhetoric. Uh, and, you know, I, I listen to him for how I can do what I do on this show better.
1: You know what will make you hmm. want to kill him is – that hardcore history. He has notes, but that is not written
2: out. I know, I know. He he <laughs> improvises
1: that. I, I mean, if you've ever it, it, our listeners who have heard him, if you I I, just, I I you hear what's happening when I don't have it written out. You 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 hear how <laughs> how inarticulate I am. Uh, he, he is he is the world's most articulate public speaker. Mm-hmm. I I don't know why some. He's not an academic, but I don't know why some smaller college doesn't offer him a lecturer position in history because he makes – he just makes history come alive.
2: Mm. Yeah, he really does. And like I said, we'll be talking about another of his shows a little bit later, but uh, Hardcore History is definitely one of those uh, humanities podcasts uh, that I look forward to. And every time an episode is on, I put everything else on hold to listen to it. Awesome.
1: Yeah, I do too. In fact, I uh, I often clean my house – when a new Hardcore History episode comes out, just so I, I have some reason to keep listening to a podcast for four hours. <laughs> David,
0: awesome. what do you have? Well, you know, I, I, as you know, I, I now that I, I still know that what a podcast is, I still don't listen to them a lot, frankly, because I, I mostly disregard MP3 players. Um, but... I will point people towards Khan Academy. I don't. I don't know how many people are familiar with it. Khanacademy.org. It's mostly video tutorials on how to do math and stuff like that. But I'm not thinking about that. They've got a little section on art history hmm. that that consists of little videos. It might be three, four, ten minutes but basically what they do is they get a couple of art critics in a museum looking at a picture and talking about it and it's just little snippets but i've sat on this site for you know 2 and 3 hours straight just watching videos of these voices talking about a picture that i'm looking at and you know whenever whenever i put on my art history hat on this show if i ever do um, I borrowed my heart, my art history hat from here.
2: hmm
0: Uh, it's 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 great stuff. They taught me what it what mannerism was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so uh, I I recommend I re- recommend it very very strongly because, um, it's 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 short, but it's it's really good stuff. So yeah, not not exactly a podcast, but still, um learning on the internet. There you go. Well, going back to you, Nathan, um, if I recall correctly, you are an NPR guy. Mm -hmm. All right. So any news and politics recommendations that you want to pitch?
2: Yeah. I mean, if Michael's main, uh, podcast diet is, you know, sort of arts and literature podcasts, mine are, uh, political and cultural criticism podcasts. Mm -hmm. Uh, my, my one-two punch uh, really consists of On the Media and then right, Left, Right, and Center. Uh, so let me talk about each of those in turn. On the Media, uh, hosted by Bob Garfield uh, and Brooke Gladstone, is a podcast that originally started out uh, trying to do some sort of cultural criticism of Internet phenomena. However, uh, it started in the year 1999, so not too long into its run at all. Uh, It found itself very interested in developments, especially in the era of the war on terror, of First Amendment questions. Uh, So, you know, government censorship, corporate censorship, free speech, things like this. Uh, Very interested in political campaigns, very interested in the way that newspapers and television news and the Internet and so on and so forth uh, relay the world to us. Uh, it's very Neil Postman flavored, although they very seldom mention Neil Postman. Uh, and it, it's really one of those shows that, you know, just gives me interesting food for thought every week, largely because they don't perform the news cycle in the way that the cable news stations do, but they analyze mm. how people are performing the news cycle. Hmm. The other show that I listen to every week uh, is Left, Right, and Center. Uh this this one is housed not in New York City like on the media but you know on the West Coast. Uh and the premise of the show is let's have a political talk show where we let each other finish sentences. Uh which <laughs> is a, a somewhat radical idea. Uh but what they do or what they try to do and and unfortunately they've had one uh one of their regular hosts die of cancer. Uh Ooh. very sad day. Tony Blankley, he was their regular right-wing contributor. Uh, very, very intelligent Heritage Foundation conservative. Uh, now they've got sort of a, a rotation of two or three uh, conservatives that come on. And then actually their center guy uh, decided he was going to run for public office in California. He was a former uh, Bill Clinton White House staffer, uh, which, you know, if you know anything about the Clinton White House, uh, if you are, you know, a, a Fox News partisan, the Clinton White House is Red China if you're a person like me, Bill Clinton was basically the third Reagan administration. Uh so the the right the left wing, pardon me, is the one who is actually stuck around the longest, and he actually incidentally is the oldest of the of the original three. Uh and that's Robert Shearer, he's a journalism professor uh at oh blast, it's either Stanford or Berkeley, one of those prestigious West Coast universities. Uh, but he's sort of your, you know, standard issue 1960s liberal hippie. Uh, but what's great about it, like I said, is that, you know, they take on the political issues of the day, of the moment. They let each other finish sentences. Uh, and by and large, I mean, it is some of the most intelligent political conversation that you're going to find on the Internet. So that's left, right, and center. Another uh, – and again, this is the show. I didn't know what category to put it in, so I'm just going to put it in here since it's a – uh, an NPR show it is a uh, radio lab uh, by Robert Krolwich and Jad Abumrad and first of all it is the most overproduced podcast I listen to uh, <laughs> uh, if you listen to one episode you'll know exactly what I'm talking about but I mean they overproduce it down to the point where they're splicing segments of audio that are less than a second together uh, and they do it for the entire hour run of the show I mean it. It's got to take, I mean, just hundreds of intern hours to produce that show. But what they do is they take some, some phenomenon in the world and they approach it using whatever disciplinary tools are appropriate. So sometimes they will interview philosophers about it, sometimes political scientists, sometimes computer scientists, uh, sometimes sociologists. And they do other pop culture things as well. I mean one of my favorite recent ones was on uh, what is it that is true hip-hop and rap. Uh, But they also do, I mean, things like, for instance, is there any biological basis for the stereotypes that when men and women get in fights, they're not fighting over the same thing? And they interviewed neuroscientists and sociologists. And, I mean, again, I mean, it's just phenomenal that, you know, uh, they really use the academic culture of New York City and also the, you know, the network of connections that NPR brings – to bring a, a wide range of people to whatever the question at hand is. One last one, that I'll sort of lateral over to Mike, Michael, uh, is the other Dan Carlin show. Uh, again, I mean, he's one of the godfathers of podcasts, and his political commentary show, Common Sense, um, it is fun because he has a definite ideology, which happens not to line up with any of the major factions you want to think of. Uh, again, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things. If you think of yourself as a libertarian, he's going to come across as a socialist. If you think of yourself as a cultural conservative, he's going to come across as a libertine. If you think of yourself as a new left liberal, uh, he's going to come across as a Republican. Uh, and <laughs> it, it's, it's a lot of fun to listen to. And once again, just the craft of podcasting that you hear every time he does an episode uh, means that whatever else I've got loaded on my machine, I'm going to listen to common sense first. So, Michael, I fear that I, I plundered that category instead of being courteous like you were, but That's what okay. shows I don't, I don't
1: listen to a lot of political shows. Um, I do listen to Radio Lab, which I don't even think of as a politics show, and I do listen to Carlin, who is really the one dedicated uh, politics show I listen to. But uh, I'll add a couple other NPR shows. Fresh Mm -hmm. Air with Terry Gross. Um, I listen probably about once a week. She has lots of different sorts of guests on. I kind of dip in and out. She's a a good interviewer. I don't think she's as good as some people say. I tend to like her when she is with pop culture types and she geeks out a little more. I don't think she's great at interviewing uh, political figures. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone who I think is probably the best interviewer on terrestrial radio is this guy Tom Ashbrook who has a show called On Point out of Boston. Uh, and he, again, this is another one of those shows. He does it for two hours every weekday and he interviews just a huge range of people. And he is the best interviewer other than Christopher Lydon um, who is not on terrestrial radio whom I've ever heard. And so when we were when we were kind of coming up with the idea for Christian Humanist Profiles, I, I listened to On Point a lot to kind of figure out – how to do what he does and how to ask the sorts of questions that make people open up and give good answers. And, and in fact, I first heard Mark Laramore, who we interv- I interviewed for Profiles, on um, Ashbrook's show. So I can't say that our episode was as good as his, but I will say that uh, <laughs> I, I have learned quite a bit about what it means to be to interview from, from Ashbrook. So uh, if you like Profiles, uh, especially my episodes, uh, go give Tom Ashbrook a a shot and tell me how far from the mark I am. I used to listen to <laughs> Leonard Lopate out of WNYC, but I just want to kill him. I, I I can't, I can't do it. He's the, he's the worst interviewer on terrestrial radio. He has yes or no questions like nothing, but yes or no questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: and, and, gosh. It, and
1: it's questions like, um, so when you wrote, when you wrote this play about, uh, about genocide in Africa, you were against it. <laughs> I mean I, I, I don't have a particular episode in mind, but his questions are that dumb. And yet he gets all these huge names, so I listened for years because I enjoyed hearing the people he was talking to, but I, I finally just gave up because I, I was constantly yelling at the uh at the at the podcast for him to shut up.
0: <laughs> you guys started hearing the people he was interviewing say yes and no?
1: No, but well what's amazing is he asks these yes or no questions and they still give real answers. <laughs> I don't know how he gets so lucky every time. All I can think when I listen to that show is somebody fire him and give me his job. Cause I'm not great, but I'm better than him.
0: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Awesome.
1: But Tom Ashbrook on point with Tom Ashbrook worth listening to.
0: Well, we barely scratched the surface of podcast dumb or whatever else we might call it. So, Going to pitch this back at you, Michael. Uh, what other miscellaneous, just for fun, weird whatever stuff out there would you like to point our listeners toward? Okay, I've got
1: quite a bit of this. I will try not to spend so much time on any of it. Well, um, I, I don't listen to a lot of comedy podcasts. I listen to a lot more. I Most of them are so vulgar, and I don't mind a little bit of vulgarity, but at a certain point, I, I, it's just too much. So I used to listen to this show Doug Loves Movies, which is Doug Benson playing movie games with his friends, but I, I, I just I couldn't handle it after a while. It, it, it felt kind of hollow. Uh, one show, one comedy show I do like a lot is this Judge John Hodgman, which is uh, John Hodgman, who you probably remember as the PC from the Mac versus PC commercials. from his appearances on The Daily Show, uh, is essentially running a people's court for hipsters. People people will come to him with very ridiculous but important-for-their-lives problems, and he will sort it out. And he does so with just this amazing wisdom. He's actually really a smart guy and a wise guy and a compassionate guy. And you learn a lot about human nature listening to that show. You'll also laugh a lot because he's very funny. So that's Judge John Hodgman from Maximum Fun. I listen to a number of other Maximum Fun shows, but that's the best one um, by far. Uh, I also listen to – I, I am trying to become fluent in French, so I listen to a number of French podcasts. If you are interested in French podcasts, my favorite is one called French Etc. They do a dictation or two every week. Um, so I, I don't know how many of our listeners are trying to learn French, but I like I like French, et cetera. I listen to a number of Disney World podcasts, uh, the best of which is WDW Today, which is a panel discussion. They do three episodes a week, which is kind of insane to me. They have like 1,700 episodes. Golly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, three, three a week, uh, every week for the last 10 years, I think. So do they, get,
0: do they get paid for it?
1: They have sponsors, so they must be making some money.
0: Okay, <laughs> but I can't it, imagine doing this. It, other way. If
1: you're if you're interested in Disney World, uh, that is that is a a, a fun show. Um, so Nathan will never listen to it, but maybe your wife will. <laughs> um, the I, I listened to one TV podcast, which is Firewall and Iceberg, to uh, kind of venerable television critics, Alan Sepinwall, um, the Wall of Firewall and Iceberg, um, basically invented capsule television reviews like like the kind you get on every website ever now um and and they talk about uh television with a considerable amount of intelligence and and i find myself agreeing with them for the most part also uh dan feinberg sounds almost exactly like david grubbs (laughs) so if uh if for some reason our listeners can't get enough david grubbs maybe dan (laughs) feinberg will fill that hole and then then um two two more I, like I said I listen to a lot of, a lot of miscellaneous ones the cracked podcast believe it or not really excellent and kind of semi academic huh uh you wouldn't think it, I know, because Crack used to be kind of a Mad Magazine ripoff. But they they talk about some intelligent things, and with a you know, they're not academics, but they talk about it with intelligence and and by talking about academic studies and things like that. So they get a little too scientist-y for me, but uh, but. Still a, a good show, and also the this is not a podcast but a YouTube series. The Mental Floss uh, YouTube channel with with uh, children or adolescent fiction author John Green is excellent. It's just lists of interesting facts, uh, which he delivers you know adorably because it's John Green, <laughs> who who is probably if he, if you're anything like me has taken over your uh, Facebook feed because of uh, the movie version of Fault in Our Stars that's coming out. But uh, if uh, if you're interested in, in just kind of trivia, the Mental Floss YouTube channel is an awful lot of fun. Okay, so that's a bunch of stuff. Do with what you will. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts.
2: <laughs>
1: How about you, Nathan?
2: Yeah, I, uh, I don't listen to a whole lot of comedy podcasts, obviously less than you do. Uh, one that I enjoy every week, though, and I, I guess – I mean I could have talked about this in the news podcast one is the uh, – Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a, a news quiz show that NPR does every Saturday. It doesn't broadcast on Athens NPR in any way. Even if it did, I'm, I'm usually watching the kids while the music group practices uh, when it would be on. So I listen to the podcast version of that. And it's, uh, it, it, it's funny. I mean, that's usually the first uh, podcast I listen to during the week so I can get the basic facts of the week's news stories. And then I turn around and listen to the analysis shows and I actually have a point of contact, uh, to understand what in the world they're talking about. So <laughs> it's funny. I, you know, the, the running joke about people, you know, getting their primary news content from the daily show. Uh, I do it, but even a little bit nerdier. <laughs> Who's awesome. your
1: favorite panelist on wait, wait, don't tell me, Nathan.
2: Oh, goodness. I mean, Paula Poundstone's a hoot. Uh, I also like Kiri O'Connor. I like, uh. Roy Blunt Jr. Tom I Baudette.
1: love Roy Blunt Jr. and his <laughs> and his bemused redneck act. I I just love oh that yeah guy.
2: yeah. And then on occasion, I mean, they don't bring him on very often because he tends to derail episodes entirely. Uh, but my my inner '80s child loves when Bobcat Goldthwait comes on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love
1: uh, P.G. O'Rourke, their one Republican commentator.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, again, I don't listen to a whole lot of stuff, but I do, you know, you, YouTube is more the place that I go for kind of fun series of things. So I'm going to pitch uh, the the YouTube page Tested. Um, it's it's actually uh, Jamie Heineman and Adam Savage from, uh, well, Mythbusters. And there's several different continued series on these um one is still untitled the the adam savage project which talks about movies and special effects and well all kinds of things um you know uh, adam savage sits down with a sits down with a couple of other guys from their workshop and they just talk about stuff uh there's another ongoing series called adam's man cave or sorry inside adam's cave which uh Adam Savage has this huge collection of movie props, and so he'll do this, you know, fifteen twenty minute video talking about a replica spacesuit or something like that, which is incredibly interesting to me because I'm I'm interested in film effects and props and things of that nature. So um, yeah, I, I enjoy those videos a lot, and I watch them a lot. So.
1: You know what I like about those guys is they clearly don't like each other. (laughs) (laughs) And I've heard, they they actually don't, they do not hang out outside, but they know they work well together. But it is, it is fun to see, it's fun to see the tension between the two of them. Because Heinemann clearly has just no, no tolerance for Adam Savage.
0: (laughs) Well, I, I, well he is Bert and Ernie pairings will always be fascinating to anyone who grew up watching Sesame Street. (laughs) That's true. And I, I, I I see, you know, Adam and Jamie are basically a, a Bert and Ernie pairing, you know? So uh, Ernie is always going to get on Bert's nerves, (laughs) but Bert never seems to leave. So, you know, all right. Well, dear listeners, that was our Christian Humanist Podcast Picks episode. Uh, if you have uh, any, any recommendations, any things that, that you like, that you want to pitch at us, uh, you can email them or leave them on our Facebook, fa- uh, our Facebook page or uh, leave them in the show notes on our blog, christianhumanist.org. What are we doing next week, guys?
1: Well, we um, don't have a next week. This is our last episode <laughs> of the uh, of the spring. <laughs> <laughs>
0: next well, I know, ne- I'm next do week next I week.
1: will be at Disney World, in fact. Um, but uh, when we come we will have our normal three episodes over the course of the summer, and when we do mine in, in June we'll be talking about uh, I, I think one of the finest songwriters of the late twentieth century, this guy Mark Hurd, who who kind of toiled in obscurity and then died at 40 in 1993. We're going to be talking about his greatest hits album, High Noon. So uh, I'll send you guys the links to some of that music, and you can familiarize awesome. yourself with him. And then when we come back in June, we'll talk about that.
2: And then at some point, we need to do episodes on you, your dissertation, Michael, and yours, David. So right. that, that'll that be coming up sometime in the near future.
0: Right. Uh, also, as was alluded to earlier, some interview Uh, interview shows that are in the pipe. We don't want to, uh, we don't want to spoil those because, um, we love the, the idea of your jaws dropping. (laughs) So, you know, there's that. Anything else you guys want to say before we, before we sign off for, uh, well, not the entirety of the summer, but for at least the regular weekly stuff.
2: Yeah, if you have not subscribed to the Facebook page yet, that is where a lot of our announcements are going to happen there, as well as the blog, of course. Uh, So my suggestion is that you go ahead and get subscribed to both of those so you can see uh, what is coming to your MP3 player next.
1: I'd also like to to announce a change that's going to be happening with this podcast, probably Mm -hmm. starting in the next episode, which is um, just because of the number of emails we get, we will no longer be addressing email at the beginning of each episode instead what we'll do is each each semester we'll have one or two episodes dedicated to answering listener email um we're gonna have for a variety of reasons less time to record in the fall uh Mm -hmm. and that's an easy way to to kind of trim off some of the uh size of the uh, episode so keep writing in we will still read it we will still address it on the air but it'll happen in a dedicated listener email episode a couple times a year rather than um rather than at the beginning of
0: each episode right yeah. Yeah. so by all means keep, keep the interaction coming because we we love knowing that people actually listen to us <laughs> even if it's hate mail alright and so uh, I wish all of you listeners uh, a good summer um, find something interesting to do we will. Uh, in the meanwhile, I'm David Grubbs on behalf of Nathan Gilmore and Michael Farmer, wishing you guys good summers and good weeks and leaving you with Martin Luther's advice. Let your sin be strong, but let your faith be stronger. both the angel. I There come a time, said the angel. You lose that wrinkled suit of skin, and when you walk up to the
2: You can go